Hello, everyone. I'm Emily Lavender, and this is the Forever Marriage Podcast. Forever Marriage at Lakewood exists to strengthen families by helping couples discover God's design for marriage. Welcome back to Season 3 of the Forever Marriage Podcast. We are talking about what it means to finish well. And so the last few episodes, we have been looking about looking at habits of grace. And so that took up the last few episodes. So just to bring us back to our acrostic, finish well, we've uh, worked through the F, the I, the N, and we're going to jump into the I, the next I today. So just as review, fix your eyes on Jesus. That was the F. I, invite others into your life. And then in nurture the habits of grace in your personal life. And so today we're going to look at invest in others. Dawn? Yeah. <laughs> I really like, the, I, you know, I mean, I've, I like all the other ones that we've done before, but this one is different in terms of even just inviting other people in your life. This really just requires an action on our part to invest in, in others, to invest in others. When we kicked off these series, we introduced you to Jean and Linda Joe Powell, who really were catalysts for this whole study. And the, the morning that Linda Joe passed away and Molly, my friend and I went to visit Jean. Of course, he's in his 90s and he's um, on hospice care as well. And he knew that Linda Joe had gone on to be with the Lord. And we were sitting there talking to him and just saying how much, you know, how much impact that he and Linda Joe had had together and um, on on us and uh, just the life that they lived. And, you know, we were just kind of talking about how they how they live their life. And, you know, Gene kind of, again, you know, he was grieving in that moment, but also confused in some moments, but very coherent in some other moments. And one of his most coherent moments, he said, well, we just concentrated on people. And, uh, <clears throat> that was, that was so inspirational to me in that moment. Um, for them, I mean, Gene and Linda Joe didn't have a lot of worldly wealth, but the but the wealth that they had built up in eternal in the eternal perspective is immense because they had invested in people. They this is different. This idea of investing in others is different than what we just talked about in serving. You know, we talked about in serving in serving being, you know, the actions to sort of make people's life better, but no expectation of return. Whereas investment is very different. There is an expectation of a return as we spend time, as we sow the seeds of God's word into their life. There's an expectation that there's going to be a return on that. And we can see that model biblically in in Timothy and Paul's writings to Timothy chapter two, verse two. All things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And so there's an expectation that the seeds of the time that that he's spending with Timothy, all the the the, the letters that he's writing to him, um, the things that he's teaching him, there's an expectation that Timothy's going to do the same thing. It's very clearly communicated. So when we invest in others, our capital, which what Scott's going to kind of teach you in just a few minutes, when we invest the things that have um, that God has built up in our lives and other people, then we want to see that be fruit bearing in somebody else's life. Investment in others maximizes God's work in and through us. 
while it minimizes the problems that we're facing personally, sometimes when we get into, when we be, when we're about the business of sowing into other people's lives, actually God is sowing things into ours. And it, it sort of brings back some of the difficulties that we have because of the fulfillment that it brings to us. Um, as we are investing in somebody else's life, God is pouring into us as we are pouring out into other people. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, the generous man will be prosperous and he who waters will himself be watered. So there's no, um, you know, Scott and I say often, and we've heard our Dr. Tom, uh, our, our, the, our former senior pastor say many times, you cannot outgive God. So that does not just mean financially, but that just means when you are generous, then actually this word generous, it means a good eye. So this is actually a man who actually looks to be generous, looks to give away what he has, um, not just stumbles upon someone in need, but actually seeks out people to be able to give and to sow into their life. That man will be pro- that man will be prop prosperous. And when and when you're about the business of watering into another's life, you can count on the fact that you're going to be watered too. The Lord's going to take care of us as we take care of others as we pour out exactly whatever what God has given to us. And that's what we really saw in the life of Jean and Linda Joe is they they're just constantly pouring out and trusting God for their own watering and being poured into. Yeah, they were lifelong navigators. And if you know anything about the navigator ministry started by Dawson Trotman, um, the the language that Dawson would often use was simply a question of who's your man? In other words, who are you building into? In other words, who are you investing in? And I like what you were saying, hun, uh from the lens of Second Timothy two two, there is an expectation in investment. The language you and I use when we're teaching a class on Sunday morning with our nearly newly married or the couples that we're mentoring or that we're building into, the language that we'll often use is simply three questions. What has God said to you from what we've talked about today? Who what are you going to do about it? In other words, God, we, we expect that as we're interacting with God and his word and through his spirit, he's joining us here and he's speaking to all of us. We've got to hear him. The second piece, uh, what are you going to do about it is really gets down to our obedience, you know, because James said in James 4.17, therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him, it is sin. So when God is speaking to the, us, there is an expectation on his part. I've invested in you through my word and by my spirit and through these people, I want you to obey. So we ask the three questions. What has God said to you today? What are you going to do about it? But goes to what Paul is getting at here with Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. Who can you tell? And that is always our expectation when we're working with people is what God has done in our time together too. It's not only for your benefit, but most likely it's for someone else's benefit as well. And so as you're, you're putting it down in your everyday walking around life and it's helping you, you're being transformed more into the image and likeness of Christ. It then is incumbent upon you to give that away to someone else. That is the discipling culture. And speaking of that, 
years ago, probably 15 years ago or so, you and I were influenced by a guy in a ministry, uh, Mike and Sally Breen, and their ministry, 3DM Ministry, out of Pauley's Island, South Carolina at the time. Mike and Steve Cockrum had written a book together called Building a Discipling Culture, which was greatly influential in on for me in just thinking about discipling constructs, what he called life shapes, uh, to help visualize a a discipling life, what it looks like. And Em will include that in our show notes so you can kind of look it up if you'd like to. But when when we talk about this idea of investing, often the question becomes, well, I, I don't have anything to invest or I don't know what to invest. What are, what are you talking about? Let me just give you some capitals because we all have these capitals in varying degrees. And we're going to start with the most simple capital and move up the wrong to the, the most highly, the most highly influential, the most important capital. So let's start at the bottom of the ladder, and we're going to start at the bottom with just simply financial capital. If you're building into someone else, chances are if you're you're in our aging stage, Dawn and I are in our late fifties. I'm in my later fifties than Dawn. But I want much a later. Little. No, a little. Okay, I'm not going to exaggerate. Yeah, don't exaggerate. You'll lose your credibility. That's right. And uh, so we we're in our later. stage. 50s. And so we have capital in terms of what we have invested ourselves and what we have accrued and what we have learned financially. And so financial capital is really measured. It's in dollars and cents. And this is just lessons that you have learned in budgeting and just all of the things of finances. Often when you're building in, if you're mentoring someone younger than you, they just don't know it. When we're working with the premarital couple prior to marriage, this idea of finances often is the last piece of the puzzle to go in the grand scheme of their puzzle because they just don't know what they don't know. They don't know what it's going to look like to merge two different uh, checking accounts together. And so Dawn and I, though we are by no means financial, uh, what's, what's the phrase I'm looking for? We're not financiers. We're not gurus or advisors. No, you don't like for right. me to say that we're <clears throat> doofuses, but, um, well, I, and I think that in this in this regard, like when you, when you think of somebody with financial capital, now you and I are going to think of Dave Scobie. That's He's right. our really good friend mm-hmm. here. We're going we're to put his resources in mm-hmm. there, too. Some of mm-hmm. you out there, if you've not heard of Dave Scobie, you know, you can find out all about him and, mm-hmm. and his resources. You Maybe more commonly is Dave Ramsey. You mm-hmm. would think of him as he has financial capital, not just because he has money in the bank, but he knows about finances. Yeah. So this is what we're talking about is somebody who possesses financial capital. That's right. So we start out at the bottom of the run. We're talking about here investing in others. In, and in this, how do we go about it? We're talking about our five capitals. So the very bottom rung of the ladder the first step, if you will, will be financial capital. The second one is simply intellectual capital. And intellectual capital is measured in concept and ideas. And this really 
obviously, it comes honestly, guys, with just life experience. There's lessons that you learn. Sometimes it's biblical lessons. Sometimes for some of us, it's just street smarts. You know, you, it's just things that you've learned along the way. It's intellectual capital. But educationally gained as well. Yeah, it is, it is educationally gained as well. Uh, but it's a, it's a combination of all mm-hmm. of that. Then you get into where Dawn and I are now. We're, we're getting into what we, we call physical capital and physical capital is, is measured really in hours and minutes. We now are empty nesters technically. Yeah. We're, <laughs> yeah. I can, we can't even really say no, technically anymore. Say our nest right. is full again. Yeah. We have three generations got, in our nest we got again. Big birds, baby we birds, got, middle birds. We got all kind of birds in our house right in our nest. <laughs> it, really, it, it's like, feels like one flew over the cuckoo's nest um, is really what it feels yeah, like right now. So, um, a bit. yeah. So you can, you can put that in the show. Don't notes do that. That's all about an insane asylum. Well, that, not. is that not what it feels like right now? No. Okay. I want to compare it to that <laughs> your answer said no but your head said <laughs> we can't say that on the air so no physical capital really what it is and this is what we we've been doing now that our kids are grown and gone um is in hours and minutes it's it's a time that we can invest in others giving our lives away paul said it this way in in first thessalonians let me get it real quick. He said in, in, uh, I think it's, hold on a second. I'm going to get Shared it with you. Our lives as well. Yes. Thank you. Emily Emily Look at you, you Bible scholar. You, I don't know the reference. Yeah. It's first Thessalonians chapter two, verse eight. Paul said it this way, having thus a fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you, not only the gospel of God, but what, our own lives because you had become very dear to us. And this is what physical capital is. It's when you have discretionary time, often for empty nesters like Dawn and myself, we have more time to give. And this is where we give our own life. What we learned from Mike and Sally Breen, who were probably 10, 15 years older than us, is the language that they used is, hey, we're going to give you high invitation into our life, but we're also going to give you high challenge. So we're going to give as much of our life to you as you want. But as we invite you in and we invest in you, there is an expectation. We're going to challenge you to step up, to follow into these biblical principles, that kind of thing. And that's really what physical capital is. You get into relational capital, which really is closely related to uh, physical capital, but this is measured in family and friends. And often for those of you who are in your marriage, you're attempting to build and construct as husband and wife, as father, as mother, uh, your attempt to, con- to construct a biblically honoring marriage, one that honors God, the one that honors one another. What we talked about in the uh, last episode, there's a high regard for honor, a high regard for humility. Often you, you, you have a platform, you have capital there because there are others in your concentric circle 
that has not had that. We've had numerous people that we have mentored through the years who came from dysfunctional families, and they looked to other families. They were invited into other families that either the father in that family, the mother in that family gave them a biblical Jesus with skin on kind of idea of what it, a healthy family could and should look like. And that's really what relational capital is. It's measured in family and friends. So we're talking about the capitals that we can invest. The first one was financial capital. The second one was intellectual capital. The third being physical capital. The fourth being relational capital. And then the fifth and the most important one, is spiritual capital, which is measured in wisdom and power. And this is what we say all the time. Uh, for Dawn and myself, we have now been walking. I've been walking with the Lord now since roughly about 1984. So for all, almost now 39 years or so, I've been walking with the Lord. And starting back in the late 80s, early 90s, one of the prayers that I would pray each morning as I would spend time with the Lord in His Word and in prayer uh, was, Lord, just make me a man of wisdom. And here's what's happened. The things that the Lord, through His grace and His mercy, has shown me and taught me and given to me, that's just taken time. And we can give that away to some extent, but what we have learned, I think Paula Hemphill taught you this when we were in seminary back in the 90s, you just can't, you, we can give some of that away, but we can't give it all away. Mm-hmm. What took you and me decades to develop by God's grace and Him showing us, we just can't give that away to everybody and they have it automatically. That's right. You know, in terms of this, of these capitals that you just described, financial capital, intellectual, physical capital, relational capital, you know, you can, you can think of superstars in every one of these areas, you know, of people who, a super smart, you know, who, who, you know, educationally, they have a lot of education. They're just really smart, smart people, physical capital. You can even think of people who athletically, they're just gifted in that way. And it kind of opens doors. I think we talked about Tim Tebow in one of our earlier, you know, um, episodes or whatever, but he would be an example to me of someone who has physical capital for sure. You know, just such a, uh, such an, uh, an athlete, but he also he leveraged that capital in order to bring spiritual capital to somebody else. So in all of these areas preceding spiritual capital, you may find yourself in varying degrees. But spiritual capital is something that we can all grow and build on and and how it's gained is important to understand. I think I learned this from Barbara Mauser, but it has been a real helpful to me in learning how to gain spiritual capital that we, we gain spiritual capital in three ways. The first way that we gain and build spiritual capital is inheritance. And we can gain spiritual capital through inheritance just by being in great spiritual environments, great learning environments where great churches, maybe you grew up in a household of faith where you're just you're just gaining from what you're inheriting, what you're gleaning from just being in that environment. It's more cult than taught. Yeah, that's right. It's cult. You know, you're but you're gaining a certain amount of capital from that just by putting yourselves in these environments. The second way that we 
that we gain spiritual capital is through investment. So what we've been talking about here, Linda Joe spent time investing the word into me. She helped and Janine Deal, who before her invested her time in investing the word and investing prayer in my life. And I grew, I gained a lot of spiritual capital from the investment that those two women specifically made in my heart and life. And then the third way, which is what you were referencing from Paula Hemphill, is individual labor that we can gain spiritual capital just through our own, um, our own time with the Lord. Um, and, and reading God's word when, when I, when we went to out to seminary, they had, and, um, Dr. Hemphill and, and his wife, Paula, he was the president and she at the very first, um, wives gathering, seminary wives gathering spoke. And I was sitting there with my little notebook, you know, just ready to be poured into. And her message that night was on the uh, parable of the wise virgins and the unwise virgins and that the wise virgins had their lamps trimmed. And when the bridegroom came, the ones who were unwise were scrambling, you know, give me some of your oil. And they're like, I'm sorry, I can't give it to you. You're going to have to go buy some oil for yourself. And so she said at that right then when she finished, she said, ladies, I can't give you my oil. I can't give you what I have paid a high price for. But even though your husbands are here to put their fannies in the seat, you've got to put yours in the seat too with God. You've got to be sitting, you know, it's important for you to open God's word and to study yourself. Even though you might not be in the classroom or in the library, there's plenty for you to open your mind and heart to and applying God's word to your own heart and life. That was a, that was a, you know, real hold your hand, kick your tail moment for me. Um, but it was important to understand that there's a part of my spiritual capital, what gets built up in me that doesn't come from an inheritance or the people that I'm around or the people who are investing in me, but my own time with the Lord, studying God's word and being obedient to him also builds up this spiritual capital. Now, I might be particularly gifted in relational capital. I mean, you and I talk to people all the time, but it is of no value if we can't impart the word, the living word and introduce them to Christ in that process. The other capitals and and if you're great in any of these areas, listen, there's purpose in it. And that purpose is to open the door spiritually to for someone else, an opportunity to to even though you're investing intellectual capital in them, you might be teaching them. You might be in a classroom teaching them from your intellectual capital, but it's an opportunity to also pour out some spiritual capital in that process as well. Yeah. So in this episode, we're talking about investing in others. And at the front end, we said investment in others maximizes God's work in and through us. In other words, it, as we invest in others, we're giving away through the five capitals that we've just talked about. We're giving away to others what God, through his grace and mercy, has given to us. And as we do that, what we said in the previous episode is as we give ourselves away and what God ha- has given to us, it tends to minimize the problems that we're facing in our own lives personally. So I'm not saying, don't hear in this episode that we're saying, hey, invest in, in others so all your problems go away. That's not what we're saying. That's That kind of gets to our motivation. But what we are saying is that Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, who we are fixing our eyes on, 
spent his life investing in others. And that is our challenge. We, we have witnessed, as we have talked about in this episode, with our good friends and mentors, Gene and Linda Joe Powell, they were a power couple who for 80 some odd years gave themselves away through investment in others and they finish well. Dawn and I, Benji and Emily want to do likewise. And so we want to challenge you. How are you investing in others? When we come back in our next episode, in episode 10, we're going to break down how to invest the things that we've been given. We've talked about what to invest in this episode with regard to capital. In terms of our next episode, we're going to look at how do we invest in others, and we're going to break it down through the acrostic of shape. So we hope to see you or hear you. What do we say? I was just going to say an acrostic within an acrostic. We've got an acrostic within an, you know, don't get lost. You cannot get too many acrostics, Em. We have so much intellectual capital. Actually, you do, Emily. We're just right along your coattails Mm. in that. No, no. Hey, how do we finish it, Em? We'll see you next. We won't see them because we don't ever see you. Stay tuned for another episode of the Forever Marriage Podcast. (laughs) That's it.